today I have Sims with me on this episode, which is really exciting. And they used to be my ex-colleague at my last place of work. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, how are you feeling today? Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up with you. I really enjoyed working with you in higher education, although it was sadly, it was overall too soon. So it's nice to have an opportunity to uh, catch up and talk about that we're passionate about. Yeah, definitely. So I know we'll get to it like throughout this episode, but do you just want to share like what your experiences were like before you joined higher education? Yeah, sure. So I started working in the higher education, I suppose, industry last year in the summer of last year. So I still feel like a bit of a neophyte in some ways. There's definitely, I'm constantly learning new things about the culture for that. I did various different things, worked in other public sector organizations and also did some lots of training and sort of outdoor education related bits as well. So, yeah, coming into higher education was I certainly had some expectations that I that of what I thought it was going to be like. And some of those were met and some of those were you know, um, just are completely off base, actually. Yeah, I can kind of assume what those were like. So, <laughs> yeah, like, let's get into that. So, like, what were your expectations, like, coming into AG? You know, I have, I had been a student at university, and I think that kind of coloured my ideas of what higher education was like, because as a student, I found it a place of learning and these sort of evolved ideas people being open-minded it's where I met a lot of other queer friends that I still have today so I for me I kind of see higher education as a place of like liberal ideas and liberal people also you know I thought it would probably be quite a diverse place to work along many types of axes so I guess those are my expectations going in I'm not sure if you want to cover what the reality what my reality was at this stage or if you want to dig into anything no we'll get into it for (laughs) sure And yeah, it, it is funny because that, that's, I think that's when we began to get into deeper conversations when we were both like, oh, I, you had, you said to me, like, I thought it would be more diverse and be more open. And that's exactly like what I thought it would be like as well. And that's why like I personally joined HE because I thought like, well, <laughs> that's what a uni is known for. But little did we know that some <laughs> of the workspaces are actually quite rigid. So I guess when did the shock start? For you. you know, I, I almost immediately I noticed that the team that I worked with was very like homogenous, I suppose, um, in terms of race, in terms of age, often in terms of kind of home life situation that people have, in terms of class as well. Most people I subsequently found out were heterosexual, but obviously <laughs> I could tell that from looking, you know, but um, but so yeah, it certainly was like quite immediate straight away that I was like oh this team everyone kind of is fitting a certain mold and that kind of informs what people think is of, of is sorry what people think of as normal so certainly it was it was pretty apparent but then of course you know talking to people and getting to know them a bit better more of that came out and I think one other thing sorry if I if I could just say that surprised me about higher education was how political the organization is and I think you don't see that necessarily from the outside but in that professional services role especially everyone seems to have a agenda I don't know it's it's not 
inherently a bad thing I suppose but it, it surprised me at how much sort of second and third order effects were being calculated behind the scenes in people's minds and um, I started to feel quite naive I suppose I was like oh I'm just here to do my job I didn't realize we were meant to be thinking about all these other things as well that's an excellent point because what I wasn't I guess like to a degree anywhere you work you have to carry some sort of some level of emotional labor and emotional management like oh my colleagues or stakeholders would react in xyz i should watch out for what you say but i mean i think you know this like especially at our latest job it was like oh i had to take some of my work multiple eyes to make sure that certain people wouldn't be offended whereas i thought this was like pretty generic i thought it would be like standard like why why do we have to do an extra pair of eyes i mean we're all adults and you had mentioned maybe it was your intro i can't remember you said like oh, I'm really into EDI issues by that point because I've been in HE like a little bit longer than you. <laughs> so um, not even burnt out, like past the stage of burnt out. If there oh is such a state, it was like, <laughs> oh, no thanks. I can't do EDI right now. So when you mentioned that, and to be honest, like whenever someone mentions that, I'm like, okay, I like store it away in my brain. <laughs> so did you notice anyone saying, reacting to you for that? Or did you notice anyone saying, I'm interested in EDI too? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apart from obviously us and the conversations we had, no, not really. Um, I had, I don't know, like, uh, interest, it's interesting you asked that because today I had a meeting with like my new boss, basically, so there's been some movement and I mentioned it to them and they really surprised me by being like super into it and asked me lots of questions and, you know, were quite mindful of that emotional labor that, that come with that. And that's, that was a pleasant surprise. I think the fact that it was a pleasant surprise probably tells you what you need to know about experience support plans. <laughs> where, you know, I think yeah. people see EDI as like a nice to have as opposed to like just a baseline Absolutely. kind of way of showing people respect and also of like being a good manager, you know, in terms of like yeah, your cohesion of your team and stuff. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I feel often like perhaps you feel that have had some similar feelings where I feel quite like, oh, well, of course you would like EDI. You're like a weird person <laughs> in some protected characteristics. Like you're going to make my life difficult now by you know, holding yep. me to some standards or whatever. Yeah. So I think I maybe got for that vibe rather than being like enthusiastic as, as a cohort. Definitely. You just outlined it to the T. I mean, <laughs> I think I've rarely had people like, oh, EDI, no way. If any people are like, yeah, 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 but then do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you do it. I support you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's never, you know, like, oh, we'll pay you to do this. Got to right. think of your day to do this. Here you go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And what we have discussed also, obviously, like EDI is an umbrella term. There's a lot that goes into it, you know, like sure. race, disability, like gender, so many things. But obviously, according to the uni, and I guess it does depend on who talked to within the uni, but it does focus women's equality. Yeah. If it's race, it's within like it's literally black and white right so I had a I don't know if you recall this but you had told me that you were interested in EDI so I noted that and then I had a particular horrible conversation with uh, one of my managers like okay this is really weird because I'm at a point where I could tell my friends about it but then I have to set up the whole context and it's like a whole thing by that point I probably wouldn't be angry anymore so I was like raw <laughs> anger I was like I need to tell somebody but our team is quite homogenous so I was like oh F it like okay can you chat and luckily you're available we chatted and at that point I was like okay I guess you know if you have no one to talk to like it's good to talk to an ally rather than bottling it up right yeah I think like for me the person that was like 
the first of when I thought, okay, I have someone to talk to. This is great. But obviously, you know, you have a different experience yeah. for me in terms of EDI. But when did you, I guess like when did you feel like, oh, I could talk about my issues with anybody or I could process it with anybody? Or like, how did you feel about that? <laughs> you know, I kind of, I don't know how candid you want to get and stuff it's in up terms to you, of by the way <laughs> real world examples but I think I again quite naively and as a direct result of my lived experience and privilege and stuff, I felt I definitely felt like yeah I'll, I'll be heard I'll be listened to I'll my voice will be respected because you know I've generally found that to be the case in the past yeah so I was quite surprised when there was sort of <laughs> an, an issue raised its head and yeah. people on the team that we worked with quite closely like you as well you know had a very negative, like um, self-centered, you know, white lady tears is the kind of uh, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the reaction that you described, like, you know, reaction to being confronted for some of their prejudices. And I found that really uncomfortable because I was like, right, okay, if that's your reaction to this, I'm just, I don't even know how to begin to talk to you about any of the other things that are going on in like people's lives. So yeah, I definitely felt like, oh, the, t- the team seems nice. They'll be fine. And then the reality is, ah, okay, actually these people, you know, have their own preconceived ideas and their own sense of what they consider to be important. I suppose it's a polite way of putting it <laughs> that was extremely diplomatic of you <laughs> well I, I guess I guess I'm in a position to be slightly more liberal because I'm not <laughs> in AG anymore um, yeah. yeah I mean you're right and actually like a lot of the colleagues that I talked to privately were saying oh this is the first time that I've had like an explicit conversation about like EDI characteristics because mm. of what happens like within our team and that to me signaled you have never had an EDI struggle then and why don't you just acknowledge it it's what you do after that really matters but then what everyone else did afterwards wasn't very impactful yeah I, you know it definitely felt like we were kind of given the green light to like do some EDI initiatives but with not really much support in terms of time or clout for yeah it just it's so hard to maintain the momentum on something that's like emotionally taxing when you're also facing people who aren't really that interested or who you think actually might be kind of hostile and it's just so demoralizing isn't it to realize am I going to be making a difference or am I just going to be is this going to be the the next time that I've really poured my heart and soul in something that just gets ignored more or less yeah 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 I agree I mean there were two specific instances where I was particularly gaslit by my white manager classic Mm -hmm. white lady tears and I just felt Mm -hmm. like extremely demoralized but you know it was very yeah I mean it was good to like have you to just like vent to right but I think like we don't have a solution on and nor is it like our uh, burden to say like oh this is what you should do when you're in these like very uh homogenous space but I think what I did particularly find helpful is we had uh, well, you still have, but we had a colleague who who has cloud in the sense that like they've been there for a while and they're white and they're respected and they put mm-hmm. their name forward, which I've yeah. never had before NHE. And while in the long term it didn't, we weren't able to achieve anything. Just that small gesture I found like very impactful. Yeah, it was interesting to me because obviously, like that colleague, I think you and like totally understandably given like your history and and stuff were a bit like it, you, you didn't quite trust that they were going to be useful persons to talk to or be empathetic or be kind of worthy of the time it takes to explain and go through this whole process of talking about these things I also found it valuable to to have them as a kind of 
I don't know, an antidote to that gaslighting, I suppose, from other mm. people. Like, oh, okay, someone is listening and, and yeah. understanding, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Because I think why you just reminded me, it's I've had, I don't know about you actually, but most of the people who've blocked my way, so to speak, in HE have been white female managers. And it's just it's just so awkward because the uni has like the Athena Swan charters. We love gender equality. We love women first, <laughs> you know, like a woman. But then <laughs> but you only prioritize a certain type of white woman. Right. So exactly. just be forward about it. <laughs> so what do you, you think know, about that? <laughs> 100%. Well, I, I guess I've got two points on that. The first one being that it's the f- first space that I've ever worked in where certainly in our kind of, well, your ex but my now specific part of the university the majority of my colleagues the majority of people are women and that's never happened to me before professionally so it's like interesting to see how that pans out I have the new team I'm in everyone apart from me is a woman with a kid under a certain age you know like and that's really cool um but it's yeah it's just really noticeable I suppose that, that that's kind of how the demographic is broken down and the second thing I'd say is that We've recently, I was recently looking at like the strategic planning framework for like where the, this university wants to go in the future. And one of the pillars of its, its um, strategic framework is diversity and inclusion. And I was like, oh, I'm obviously interested in that. Let me have a look. Like any good kind of framework and vision, there are key performance indicators that you, you can use to see how well you're doing with regard to those like those things that you've set set out for yourself so with the EDI one the only mandatory key performance indicator that departments will have to use is gender equality one and there were optional ones about like attainment gap between you know the BAME as their to use their terminology students um, as well but that was like a you know you can use that if you want so I I we had a visit from the vice chancellor and I asked about it. I was like, why is that? Why is that taking precedence? And he was like, well, basically there'll be some departments where there aren't enough, like, not like, you know, non-white students <laughs> to even do the statistics on. And I was like, I think that's telling you there's more of a problem there, mate. Not just like, well, let's, let's not report on it. Did you say that? Did you say mate? <laughs> just kidding. Obviously not. I, I you know, I, well, we had to like pre-enter the questions. They yeah, screened, yeah. so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought that was really telling, actually, of, of the course, yeah. priorities. And and you know, they said, oh, it's because we have to report on like the wage gap mm. with gender and stuff. So I'm sure it kind of is. It's the university's priorities that are backed up by society's priorities. But it is interesting how there is definitely this idea that like some uh, equality kind of measures and initiatives are deemed more important than others and if I if you allow me to go off on a tangent oh um, my god yeah yeah you can keep talking (laughs) okay cool cool um then I know I've spoken to you about this before but like I really feel that what that helps to do is if you're gonna just be like women 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 as the like top minority to quote unquote because you know then that that can feed into the mindset that I think is quite damaging that you see people gender critical again scare quotes there feminists or turfs you know they lean into that attitude quite a lot of of thinking like 
oh no, well, we're actually the victims here as women um, and just totally ignoring any sense of intersectionality or any understanding of like, yeah, you know, you might be a woman, but you also have privilege in some in many other ways potentially. So I feel like it's quite a kind of unfortunate emphasis to place as an organisation because we should be really like understanding that there's so many systemic issues that the university should be aware of and trying to combat where it can. And it, you can't just fight all of society's ills by empowering some you know, women to be the department managers, can you? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my God. Okay. Absolutely. So, whew, so many points. That, yeah, that was, those were excellent points. Thank um, you. Thanks for letting me go off on one. I mean, it's, it's your episode. What do you mean? <laughs> Keep on talking. Um, I was just going to say, you know, you just reminded me, going back to our colleague, it's really, I mean, yeah, of course I'm suspicious of white people, mm-hmm. like, yeah. who aren't my friends. Of course. Like, it's it's natural. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of the first time where, I mean, they were like, yeah, I mean, they, they were like, yeah, they were listening. And it's really interesting. And I know probably like some of my other like friends of color will probably agree. It's like when you're suddenly given <laughs> the space to talk, because I didn't realize coming to the private sector, like how much I was policing my own words to like, mm-hmm. to make like predominantly white colleagues not scared that like, I'm not like threatening when <laughs> you both were like, like let, let you know let's just chat like I, I was still doing that I mean not on purpose I wanted to tell you yeah. about everything I was still doing that I was like oh my god that is frightening and I realized how like I just had this like complete not not complete but I was definitely like lacking confidence in all all of my actions because it just kept questioning even little things like here's a persona oh are you sure we have black people in leadership at the U? you know like just really oh my stupid day. things like that so but I think you know just to say like a positive I think what I just want to emphasize was it is possible to have like genuine allyship and genuine like listening and you know like yeah those are really good things and uh I I have it's interesting because I have heard before from other colleagues like because there are pillars every year that gets revised Mm-hmm. And certain people will be like, oh, I'm really interested in mediation. And, you know, we continue talking. They're like, I'm really involved in gender equality. I support women. I believe <laughs> in women. I'm like, do you understand what you're saying? I don't think you do. And Athena Swan, predominantly, I'm sorry to say, benefits like cis straight white women who are predominantly academic. It does not benefit professional services, colleagues. That's a whole different topic that we probably don't have time to get into. So, you know, yeah. the fact that you rec- you picked that up immediately was like, oh, that's like the number one pillar and KPI. Oh, not pillar, sorry. Well, that is why, because it's like yeah, the yeah. most money-making. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it just ties back to that idea of the university almost like trading on this idea of it's like oh we're a university so of course we're gonna have like liberal ideas and we're gonna you know um have like a vibrant campus full of all different types of people and they kind of can almost lean into that stereotype without doing any of the work and when they do when they are pressed to do the work it's like very it's like yeah well let's make sure we don't have a gender pay gap which is don't get me wrong like gender pay gap is bullshit like we do not want that but it's it's kind of just one issue in a sea of issues that they could address for their staff you know yeah Um, yeah. well how about no what were you gonna say oh I was just smiling because um (laughs) 
my my new boss who I spoke to today was like <laughs> I said to them that I was I wanted to petition for a gender neutral toilet in, in our office Ooh, and yeah. um, they were like yeah I, I really support you and they're like but do you know the university does have some and I was like yeah I know but what am I going to do just like go for like a 20 minute walk every time I need a piss like come on. that's just like that response I know and it's it's you know they were like trying to be helpful but you need just think like if that's the level of analysis you're giving to any kind of issue then like god no wonder we're in this position you know <laughs> like well we've done it we've ticked it off we, we've achieved equality because there's one toilet somewhere on campus that you can use <laughs> like <laughs> thanks <laughs> go on your lunch <laughs> like, what yeah oh god well i guess like because i mean you, you know my position that i just reached a point where i was like I, i'm just gonna try not avoid it because I can't avoid it but yeah. try not to talk about it where possible but how did you feel because you know you you weren't jaded when you first started <laughs> obviously and you, you said you cared about EDA so were you kind of like okay I'm gonna bring it up um you know when I can um and like has that changed good question um yeah I think you know I've always in all my other jobs done that classic thing where I've you know when you care about something you kind of pick it up as an extra duty because people are happy to let you do the work right and so I kind of assumed maybe something similar would happen in this job I expected everything to be a bit more formalized whereas like there doesn't seem to be much good training there doesn't seem to be much policy at a like very sort of individual team level and so when stuff did feel a bit unpleasant or uncomfortable outside of this sort of fairly major event that um where every it all came to a head and the white lady tears happened um afterwards outside of that it was just like well, I don't really know what to do if something doesn't feel great I don't feel super supported by the policy by the team etc and I think interestingly now I'm probably a little bit more jaded I wouldn't say I'm like you know <laughs> fully past the point of burnout burnout like you but I feel I would make a lot more targeted interventions and I would definitely still want to say stuff but I would be a lot more I suppose objective in my evidence gathering and in who I spoke to about stuff and I, I might be maybe I'd be a bit more political maybe I've been affected by that kind of the atmosphere in the university and I'd be a bit more considered and Machiavellian about how I would deal with that situation because just saying oh that's not okay didn't really work out did it so mm. yeah I don't know interesting question but certainly like I I <laughs> maybe I got some off the record things to tell you okay, <laughs> I okay. Pod, but I think that you know the, the individual that caused us some issues uh, I don't think is going to have such a is going to be able to act with such impunity going forward with a bit of change of management and stuff and so I think I can probably leverage that if any issue comes up again see I'm already thinking like one of these higher education schemers I <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um hierarchical hierarchical yeah it really is it's very strange not what I expected at all not what I expected at all again yeah. I guess like for me I just assumed university was like the probably the academic side I'm sure that like that is deeply hierarchical and deeply political also you know from the outside it's just like oh yeah research learning that's cool I didn't think about the professional services side really and how how that would manifest so yeah you know learning curve but I'm not you know yeah I've still got faith that it can be like a good workplace um given you know the right people around you with the right attitudes I think yeah I mean oh sorry yeah go ahead I would say that's the kicker, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, we'll, we'll talk about like, I guess like the positives in HE in a minute, but so, <laughs> um, 
for those who, for some strange reason, want to work in HE <laughs> and or they're currently in HE. Because again, like no one has the solutions and that that yeah. is part of the problem, right? So like, what would you tell them? Because I think we discussed, to jog your memory a bit, we discussed like, okay, well, we both go to therapy and, you know, like <laughs> we do exercise that thing and we chat it, which is helpful. But well, now that I'm gone and another colleague has left, who was also media minded, like, what have you been doing? Have you been ignoring it? <laughs> or like, what have you been doing? <laughs> no, I haven't been ignoring it. I continue to you know well you can't ignore it can you because it's it's part of your life and lived experience it's a a nice privilege to be able to ignore it and you know I'm like in my own kind of uh, experiences of lack of diversity and stuff like I'm having to remind people oh can you not misgender me please you know regularly and stuff like that so you can't just ignore it can you so yeah I guess I'm just talking to like the people that I know are allies and friends and being quite candid about how I feel and stuff I started to be a lot more candid with my boss as well and just say like I don't want to work with that person or this is a this is an area of concern for me yeah Yeah. being quite open about why because I think I was like who's who's ass am I trying to cover here I'm I'm not I'm like trying to be polite for the sake of this person who's offended me (laughs) yeah you're right Uh, yeah. yeah so you know and and if they have an issue with that well like, you know they should probably not be such a knob then shouldn't they um but <laughs> yeah. yeah so I guess I I'm still I'm still like I'm still just living my life and in a way not to be all like self-aggrandizing but like that is a somewhat radical act in this in, in this HE environment where people are so homogenous and like particularly worldy in some respects and that's the best I can do at the moment I think there's a lot of flux in my job space so I don't know exactly how much kind of freedom I'll have to pursue bits and kind of talk to other people about them but I did speak to my new line manager today who when I said look I'm interested in EDI they were very enthusiastic and they were like oh we can tie that into our team's personal development stuff and you know so perhaps there'll be a way to kind of keep banging the drum in a little and often kind of way I don't know yeah yeah Yeah. hope so uh, I really hope so (laughs) yeah I hope so too I I don't know I mean you've definitely in the higher education work sense been around the block a bit longer (laughs) than I have (laughs) and um, so you know I'm I'm mindful that you will have probably seen a lot of this enthusiasm and and naivety come and go in various people and you know I don't want to be super naive but I think ultimately if I can give some people something to think about whereby they live their life in a more like self-aware and like critically you know able to kind of think about things a bit more critically and understand that there are systemic issues that they might not be able to solve but they can try and push against that tide a little bit if I can do that with a couple of people then a it'll make my life a bit easier and b like it's just the right thing to do isn't it so yeah it is the right thing to do and that's a good framework why why do we emotionally manage someone who has offended us i know Mm. it's easier said than done but i think that is a really important framework to keep in mind oh man i just lost my train of thought because you just had like a million good points maybe it'll come back to me but oh uh actually sorry i was just gonna say did you just one more point before we move on to i guess like the positives <laughs> it was very interesting for me personally because i think toward the end somehow like i i felt less confident because i felt so like beaten down like incrementally but at the same yeah. time i felt more like i had permission to bring up like my asianness i guess because of what's happened like with the pandemic this past year and 
all these Asian hate crimes, mm-hmm. right? So it was really interesting because when I brought up my Asian-ness, people were, white people were very uncomfortable. But when you brought up mm-hmm. gender identity, it was a combination of utter confusion and discomfort. <laughs> and so yeah. I was like, I've never... <laughs> I've never seen this before. So I think the fact that we both brought it up to the team, what was your interpretation? Like, how did you feel? Yeah, I think, no, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because because I think, and I, I mean, everyone has an experience of gender, whereas not everyone has an experience of like being a person of color, right? And you can't, unless you're going to be one of those bullshit people who's like, oh, reverse racism, then you can't really pretend that like- and we've had that on the team sorry yeah right yeah well exactly (laughs) but yeah (laughs) yeah most people whose minds are in a functioning state know that you can't really kind of it's like compare a white person's racial experience to a person of colors right but I think everyone feels like they have they can have something to say on gender because everyone experiences it and everyone feels some kind of relationship around gender you know and our society's bloody obsessed with it so um yeah people have kind of lived with an idea of gender identity for a while but it is a very for most people it's a very fixed identity and it's a very like determined by certain societal factors right and then you just don't really have to think outside of that box so I think it's confusing for people because they might feel quite strongly about gender like personally but they might also be aware that there's like oh this is something I don't know about I haven't come across someone who's non-binary or someone who has I don't know different types of gender identities as well and I think that can put people in like quite a defensive place they just uh, they feel a bit threatened but they don't quite know why I feel like we saw some of that with our colleagues I think if you're the type of person who can admit I don't know much about that then generally those conversations can be quite fruitful. But if you're the type of person who feels threatened by, um, you know, like or a fear around not knowing stuff, then it, it can be an uncomfortable place to kind of talk to someone in, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was very articulately put. I mean, ultimately, I think people should get very comfortable admitting, I don't know what this is. It's fine. And just shush and listen and not <laughs> compare your own experience and like 100%. play the competition one up in game, yeah. right? It's fine. Just listen. That is the message. I think we were both feeling that like, can you just shut up and listen? Like, it's right. fine. <laughs> just move on. Yeah. It's like, the, I don't know if you remember this, but you know, we, we were talking about gender as, as a team and or with various people because there'd been some, I don't know, casual transphobia at work, basically. And, um, someone and this is such a classic response went on this long rambling story about the one trans person they know like as if this was their kind of almost like don't worry I I've, I'm friends with someone well, tangentially friends with someone who once had a thought about their gender identity it's like <laughs> yeah. girl shut up I'm trying to say to you this is the situation we're currently in I don't need like you to be trying to prove to me that you get it because clearly you don't otherwise we'll be having this chat you know oh, super frustrating um yeah you're right I just think in so many spaces you know if people just didn't feel like they had to have a hot take all the time that would be great because there's a lot that you can learn and I'm not a gender expert either I just have my own lived experience and my own research that I feel like I've had to do in order to be a useful spokesperson because everyone assumes you will be once you start kind of doing the EDI stuff Um, (laughs) yeah exactly right so I'm like I I can't speak for everyone like my my new manager today (laughs) they're very sweet they were like so I want to ask you something if you don't mind I know it can be a bit of emotional labor and I was like oh well you know fire away and we'll see (laughs) and they're like how do you feel about a person who identifies as CIS putting their pronouns in their email I was like 
CIS. I was like, oh, like a cis person. (laughs) (laughs) They tried. Yeah. Bless them. I know. And they were like, but I've seen people have different opinions. And I was like, well, I can't tell you what the like community has decided. <laughs> that's not a thing. Yeah. But I can tell you my point of view, right? And that's that's kind of all you can do, but people expect you to be like the arbiter of all things, you know, what whatever protected characteristic you have. So. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I was getting opinions on like specific BLM events. You cannot ask me that. That is just the fact that you felt like you needed to ask me that probably indicates that I am the only person of color you know in your life. And that is very weird. Very weird and very like, yeah, like why a a rogue life choice. I think we can can agree. Exactly. But I guess just to um, swing to the positive, I mean, it Mm. is because, you know, you were fairly open about your EDI interest and you were fairly open about speaking up, you know, that like these negative yet very fruitful conversations were able to happen. And I, and like, I don't know how to articulate it. Maybe you'll put it better way that I do but I think one of the positives is that you do meet you meet weird people like for sure but you also meet very cool very like forward-thinking people and you have like spaces where you can kind of yeah just like vent and just chat which I think is a great positive like what do you think yeah I, I definitely think you know the people make a place and and the jobs we had were you know involved a lot of interaction with people and I was very grateful to like be able to talk to you and and some of the other more um sensible colleagues shall we say who who would be willing to like have these conversations and and who already had a kind of baseline knowledge you didn't have to go bitly basics and explain all those yeah like concepts to them and that was really nice and it was quite validating I think so yes like there's some awesome people around and I'm super glad that we met you know other people too so people are good I don't I, I still feel like I just don't know enough about higher education to know if like what is what's the broken part of it that makes something that should be ostensibly pretty right on quite like old and stuffy actually um yeah yeah but but I don't think it's everywhere because you know I've worked quite a bit with LGBT plus society like the student union and then through them the student union itself and some of the more like student facing parts of the uni actually are like really cool so it's yeah. clearly like somewhere along that spectrum of like student facing to just insular staff facing that we lose some of the uh, the good stuff yeah I don't know it'd be nice to kind of learn how to bottle that up and bring it into the more professional services world yeah I agree yeah I don't know what I can't pinpoint what it is either but I don't know we'll, we'll have to we'll have to just do deep dive on the PS side of because you know that's another topic you know like PS stuff are often like missed out and I think that is part of the problem right mm. I think about how like disenfranchised people <laughs> like can misplace their you know anger or whatever and I'm not suggesting for a second that professional services in the uni is the same as you know like being a working class person or something like that but it there are sort of tiers of I don't know who credibility within the within an organization like university and I think uh, maybe it isn't equally sort of spread out is it 
yeah yeah yeah. that will have an impact yeah well do you have anything else to add on our long ag chat or do you want to move on to something more positive like the outdoors (laughs) (laughs) Um, my my final thoughts my closing thoughts be that I don't know I, I just wish there was a way to feel a bit less isolated in HD as a as someone who wants to have these kind of conversations and wants to push progress forward a bit I know you felt like that I certainly feel like it's not super easy to meet like-minded people yeah even through the networks yeah yeah you feel like you're kind of hamstrung by the the institutional norms and the policies and things like that so I don't know I'd love to I would love to be able to feel like I worked in a more radical space kind of politically I would love to be able to say like listen up guys it's not just about gender neutral toilets and you know um and and looking at the KPIs for like the more diverse KPIs for how we do as uni maybe we should be thinking about making uni a bit cheaper because then more people could it would lower the barrier to entry maybe we should just tear down capitalism do you know what I mean like I wish we could (laughs) I wish we were there like where's that kind of radical left-wing intellectual thought um and yeah it was a bit saddening to me to find out that university is basically just a business (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) absolutely um there should be like a code word like are you are we are we because even within the babe network i've met certain individuals and they were like because i think i told you like you know i would often see like the one other asian person or black person whatever and and all i mean we'd make eye contact be like let's be friends cool but like like one out of ten times there has been there have been like a few people where they're like what do you mean there's a problem here it's it's great claire like what are you talking about i'm like okay (laughs) you're clearly in the network for like tokenistic reasons or whatever and whatever their their choice like i'm not going to make assumptions but Mm. yeah you're right like sometimes you kind of go into networks assuming like-minded people but that's not necessarily an automatic deal right yeah for sure you have to like filter (laughs) through the people i think (laughs) i knew we were kind of on the right like wavelength but I don't, I'm not sure what we talked about I, mean, I think we like dove into some like non-work topics like pretty quickly <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> so I was like okay it's cool because like work is ultimately just work and people are so much more interesting than like what you know that kind of thing and so I do think it's it's nice to be like to be able to talk to your colleagues about your life but you know am I gonna tell some of these middle-aged people I work with about some of the stuff we spoke about <laughs> you know <laughs> like probably not <laughs> yeah and I'm am I going to shout like f capitalism to some of our colleagues probably not right exactly Uh, Um, but yeah I suppose that's kind of my my final say on H is that like depressingly it is a business like everything else and I think that was a crushing realization and um and one that has how impactful it can be against any systemic issues because it's brought into the system that has created all those issues so having said that I'll continue to fight the good fight on a micro level <laughs> yeah yeah we're, we're rooting for you so tell me more about like how your hiking club came about and I know you kind of mentioned like wanting to publicize it more and make it diversifying it more so yeah mm. like tell me the tell me the story yeah so um I am a massive fan of the outdoors and have wanted for a long time to kind of make that how can I put this succinctly <laughs> so a big fan of the outdoors but I'm also very hyper aware that the outdoors the type of people you see in the outdoors reflect like a really small portion of society and that 
in the outdoors there can be a lot of like intentional and also subconscious gatekeeping when it comes to skills the idea of like who should be in a certain space and I had some experiences whereby I wanted to give back I wanted to do some volunteering and charity stuff or something like and I wanted to tie that into the outdoors space so initially I started to look at mountain rescue spent some time working with mountain rescue team And I really just found like, oh, these are the people who think that the outdoors is for a certain type of person. These are the people who think it's appropriate to remark on the weight of a person that they're rescuing. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like and it just really like it's a shame because the, the technical skills on display were incredible, but the attitudes were just not very nice. And I thought, well, these are the kind of people who are top of their game in terms of the outdoors and they have those attitudes like what does that say about the the sector as a whole so I decided to not pursue that because I was starting to feel like oh, I'm gonna have to do a whole EDI from the ground up situation here and ultimately I just felt too knackered to do that I, I thought do you know what there must be other queer people who want to get outdoors there must be like people who share my passion but also want to partake in it in like a way that is self-aware of like the political realities of of recreation and stuff like that so all that is to say in quite a long-winded way that I spoke to my mate about this and we were like yeah we would love there to be a queer outdoors group in Sheffield and we were lamenting this for a while before we were just like well if no one else has done it like I guess we'll have to so we set up a group it's called Peak Queer Adventures and our kind of aim really is just to be visible and take up space in the outdoors in order to kind of combat that idea, the idea that like everyone outside is a cis, het, white man and maybe his girlfriend, you know, like <laughs> that's kind of the message I've got from a lot of outdoors culture. Yeah. And I wanted to combat that. I also want queer people to feel safe in the outdoors and we can engender that by taking part in stuff en masse and doing things together. I want to be able to do like mentorship and skills sharing between people who um, uh, might not have access to that kind of traditional, like, oh, my dad told me or what, um, sharing equipment, all that stuff. Like I just want to facilitate more people enjoying the outdoors who might have felt like there were barriers to their entry otherwise. There is absolutely still places we can go. Like as a group, we are still really white, we're very middle class. And I think partly that's because it's expensive to do a lot of the activities we do and to want to have the kit and equipment to do that as an initial outlay so in the future I'd love to kind of look at having a gear library or working with groups to do like subsidized courses and things like that so we can you know again try and just make it the stuff we do more accessible but yeah it's it's exciting um, we've started a committee now so we can try and like grow the group in a like quite intentional direction and the idea is that it's no one's in charge it's like we're a community and if you want to run a, a a climbing session then you know you're empowered to do so and we'll kind of make that happen so that's the dream the reality is it's quite a lot of work hence why we've kind of opened up like a committee to make help us make decisions and organize things but it's been amazing mate we've got like over 100 members already um we go climbing every fortnight and it's always such a nice time i've made so many good friends you know it's just it's just been incredible to be able to kind of do the thing I love with people who already know what a pronoun is, you know, that's my, <laughs> that's my baseline. So yeah, that's, um, I could talk about it for hours. I honestly, like, I'm so proud of what we've done. Yeah. One who listens to your podcast is Sheffield adjacent or in Sheffield and identifies in some way with the word queer and they want to do some fun, social outdoorsy bits. You know, we cater for all skill level. Uh, requirement that you must know what a pronoun is. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> yeah, <kidding>. that's the only. 
<laughs> there's a test when you uh, when you sign up <laughs> yeah that is so admirable that you just had this idea with your friend and you both were like let's just do it and you did it and I mean it takes it is really one thing to have an idea and another thing to really implement it and yeah I mean I, I've seen your posts like you, all of you have gone on such amazing places and you've gone, done everything from like hiking to like cold water swimming like that's oh, insane yeah. there's, um, there's people so yeah mad respect <laughs> I'm not a wild swimmer, but I respect them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, so I, I think that's awesome. And oh, go ahead, sorry. No, thank you, mate. Thank you. I I just feel really lucky that kind of an an idea has has landed so well because it can be quite you know we've all had good ideas that have been flashing the pans, but it's it's been really quite incredible to see like I think a lot of people just needed that little push you know of this group existing it's been so great so I feel really fortunate and I feel grateful for everyone who's got involved yeah but I would say like I don't know I massively doubted we would be able to have an impact but you know if people do have good ideas or any idea really like why not give it a go why not like set up a, a group and see what happens because we've had brands like Patagonia speak to us you know we've had the climbing hire in Sheffield has been super helpful like we've we've really made loads of interesting connections that I'm sure if it was my full-time job I could maximize like loads more but people have asked to get involved and what it's help and it's just like we've made it easier for them to do that by existing I suppose so um yeah it's you know you've always got to do that emotional labor and the hard work but sometimes it pays off I guess yeah oh I love it that is really amazing and it's nice to end this on a more positive note with a very (laughs) positive and amazing accomplishment we always end our episode with this question what do you do for self-care and anything else you would (laughs) like to add that we talked about yeah great so um um, self-care we have you alluded to it earlier got, you know do, do my therapy that's that's very helpful <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but but for me self-care is about um you know taking time to be active and to be surrounded by people who I f- don't feel like I have to constantly kind of explain myself to or seek their permission to just exist you know and that's why for me I get so much from spending time with like other queer folk other trans people yeah and being able to hang out with them and do outdoor stuff at the same time is like peak self-care for me you know uh, yeah so that, that that I guess is my answer and do I have anything else to add I don't think so I think we've had pretty comprehensive conversation and you know I don't want to put myself into a hole <laughs> thanks so much for your time and thanks for being here and yeah no, I know I, I love it and your everything you said was really insightful and I'm glad we finally did this